Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. So we know what men like to do. Um, come up and talk so we can, uh, we can meet. So after church, we're going to do that right over here. Um, and then uh, this week on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. is youth group. So for all the youths in the house, house, you know, woo, youth group, we're going to have fun, I'm sure. Hopefully. If you, uh, if you would like uh, the questions for Corinthians chapter 7, they're out in the entryway. If you have been uh, following along and answering questions and studying the Bible, the Bible says to study to show yourself approved. And I want to study. I want to, I want to know the word of God better. And uh, this, this study itself has challenged me, has, has helped me grow. And there's things that I'm learning. So um, I promise if I'm learning things, you should be learning things too. <laughs> um, and then uh, the last one, um, actually two more. Uh, ladies' lunch is this Tuesday. If you enjoyed uh, la- a couple of weeks ago, my wife had uh, uh, she had a few ladies show up at uh, La Barista at 11:30. She had lunch with them. If you would like to come and be there, um, well, that's when she's having lunch at 11:30, um, and she'll be over at La Barista. If you want to join her, uh, that's when she'll be and where she'll be. Tuesday at 11:30. You didn't hear it. Now you did. <laughs> and then the last one, Joe, can you raise your hand? Joe Jerger, raise your hand, wave. Um, Joe is going to uh, head up some of the greeting and stuff like that. If you would be interested in greeting people as they come in, helping people find seats, because if you haven't noticed, sometimes it's like hard to find a seat. Um, and a matter of fact, someone was like, hey, come, make sure you come early, because sometimes it's hard to find a chair. Wow, that's a... It's a, it's a good thing to have, but uh, we need some help making sure people can find that chair. <laughs> um, we move things around and stuff. Um, and so if you are interested, see Joe. Um, he's got some ideas, and uh, I'll help whatever way I can. Joe, I was going to talk to you before church about making the announcement, but I talked to you two weeks ago, so I think it's okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so that is the announcements. Um, I would... Uh, I would love it. I love to see people involved, um, and I don't think that there is any place in the in the church that is less than. And I think right. greeting people is important. I think cleaning is important. I think preaching is important. I think teaching is important. Sunday school, it all. I guess I should go ahead and put a plug in there. If you if you'd like to help in Sunday school at all, um, see my wife Ashley, one of them. Um, they would love to have. Um, I think they were hoping for. Uh, they want to get to like two more teachers so that. Uh, can have a little bit better rotation. Um, so if you would like to help out, there you go. There's some options. I think it's important to be involved. It keeps you uh, alive, I think. Um, sometimes like we go through troubles and things like that, and then we, we back away from the things of God, and we, we back away from like, you know, doing some work for him. Like maybe it's teaching a Bible study. Maybe it's, you know, um, telling someone about the goodness of God. And so we step away from those things because we're like, oh, I'm, I got to self-preserve. But sometimes when we pour into others, God's able to pour into us. Um, well, that's one of the other stories that we're going to do in this series. I love it um, about the woman who uh, had a vessel and 
she had oil and she didn't have very much and they went around and collected all of them. But I'm not going to get into that today because that is not what we're talking about today. I have a, a title for my sermon today. It's called The Great Escape. I don't want you to escape though, but I want you to know that God has made a way for you. So what, what do we do when, we, uh, when what we see does not align with what we thought? Sometimes when we see things take place, we're like, well, that's not what I had expected. That's not what I had thought. That's not what I wanted it to look like. But yet things are taking place. Do we follow man or do we follow God's plan? It's so important that we opt for God's plan versus my plan. I, uh, so I, uh, <laughs> I struggle and I worry all the time because, you know, you read things and, you know, like, I want God to be able to do whatever God wants to do. And I get worried sometimes about church. You know, like, people only want to sit next to people for so long, you know, and then they want some elbow room. So, like, I worry about that sometimes. I just have these random thoughts that pop into my head that I worry about all the time. Um, so just so you know, there's one day I hope that we'll be able to get that other side. We're, we're working on it, but uh, we'll just we'll leave it at that. Um, uh, I think I told you guys I had applied for a grant, the ministry the ministry association that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. um, I had asked for $2,000 a month. Um, uh, we didn't get that, but they gave us $1,650. So hey. thank God. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really exciting. So for 12 months, we'll get that. And I think that's pretty exciting. And so it's just a little bit of help to um, maybe we'll be able to move you into that other side too. So that's exciting. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's look at my focus scripture today. My focus scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. This is what it says. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. If you're standing up and you think that you're confident in that, be careful that you don't fall. <clears throat> and then verse 13 says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. God, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you will be able to bear it. Amen. He is, if you hit on the, on the right side of the screen, there's that button that says uh, macro um, scriptures, and then it'll fix it, and you, it'll all work. <clears throat> but it won't come up until your next one. We, uh, we, have, we have got to remember that God is good and that he has got a way of escape for us. Amen. So what do we do when it seems like God has asked us to do the impossible? I run. <laughs> Sometimes we get full of fear, right? God has asked us. He's, he's called us and we're like, uh, that is definitely not me. God was making a mistake when he called me. But sometimes, many times, we run. Um, I remember when I was in the military, um, I was trying to join the army. And I was, you know, very much overweight and struggled with running. Um, and to this day, I struggle with running, but I try and do it every now and then. Um, and in that, we had to run a two-mile run. I think, the, I think it's changed now. Like, I don't think they have to run. I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't know. The Army's changing everything, like, all the time. They keep changing these requirements, you know, maybe get some other people to join. <laughs> it's like, hey, you old guy, <laughs> you want to come back? <laughs> We made it so you can pass the PT test. <laughs> but I remember in basic training, it was the hardest thing ever to run that two mile. Like, I had never been a runner. And so running two miles was really difficult. And I didn't understand, like, pacing yourself and stuff. 
I remember going into it thinking, well, I can walk two miles in like the time that they wanted me to walk it. And then, uh, you know, now, now much older and aged, gosh, like a long time. I think about it. Lord, it's been, gosh, since like 2005 that I joined the military. So it's like coming up on 20 years, if I had stayed in, I'd be able to retire almost. <laughs> Uh, when I think about it, like, now when I try and run, I'm like, why can't I run as fast as I could before? You know, like, I can't, huh? I'm working on this one-mile thing right now. And I'm like, Lord, this is so hard. We run from God, and we constantly exhaust ourselves in the run away from God instead of running to him. Because in running to him, that is where our provision is. But when God calls us, and he's like, hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, oh, Lord, not going to do that. And so we run away, and we exhaust ourselves in the run away from God. And God's like, hey, I still got a calling for you. I still love you. I still want you to come over here. I know it seems impossible, but if you'll pursue me, I'll give you what you need. You see, as we follow him, he makes a way for us. So let's move on. An appropriate response is to recall the goodness of God and to trust that he will see us through. I have got to recall the goodness of God in my life to remind myself that God is good, that God is with me, that God is able, even when it seems like I'm by myself, even when it seems like uh, I'm struggling. And I started thinking about this this morning when we were praying for Tammy. I hope Tammy's listening right now. I hope she is. I don't know if she is, but I hope she is. And if she, or if she, I hope she listens at some point. But I remember um, a couple, it was a, a, probably a year ago, uh, we had a, <laughs> We had a watch night service. It was like 12 o'clock at night, and, and, and she was over here wheezing, and it sounded terrible. We prayed for her. Five minutes later, it was gone, and it was quiet. It was the craziest experience that I, one of the craziest experiences I'd experienced, and it was amazing, and people maybe look at that and be like, well, why isn't God healing her now if he could do it then? There was a purpose to what God was doing in her life at that moment. Maybe that was right there, what he did for her that night was so that while she was struggling, while she's struggling right now, she can look back to the goodness of God and know that he was with her. If he's with you in the small things, I promise he's with you in the hard things. I promise if he's with you when it's good, he's also with you when it's bad. He does not leave you or forsake you. He loves you. I know today is Palm Sunday, and we're going to get into that here in a few moments, but there are some interesting ties in the Old Testament to what we would call Palm Sunday today. And I am, like, I didn't realize, I mean, like, even last night in prayer, I was, I was praying, and man, it just hit me. And so this next story that we're going to look at is a call forward to Jesus. This is, this is uh, one of the early stories in the Bible, and it takes us back into Genesis, Genesis chapter 22, and it brings us to Abraham. Now, if you know the story of, of Abraham, great. If you know this story, that's great, but there are some interesting ties that bring us to Jesus. So let's look at this. It says in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 22, it says, Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Okay, now one of the things that is really interesting here, and I didn't even realize it, I was like, what's the significance of Moriah? Why, why was God like, hey, you need to go there to do it. Um, why couldn't it have been like right where he was at? Well, one thing that's really crazy that I didn't realize this is Mariah is a compound word in the Hebrew language. 
And what it means is chosen by Jehovah. What? So like when you read the text like in Hebrew, like it means like a whole nother thing. Like I want you to go to the place chosen by Jehovah. Well, that sounds a whole lot better than just going to Mount Moriah. But the other thing that's really cool, it would be what is the Temple Mount today, this, uh, this area. And uh, what a fitting thing. So as we get into this story, I want you to remember Moriah, the place chosen by Jehovah. And I want to remind you when we get into the New Testament today, into the story that we're going to with Jesus, we'll see Mount Moriah again. All right. So, but you have to remember that it is the Temple Mount where Solomon built the temple. That was where uh, Abraham went to do this sacrifice. Now, I've always, when it comes to this story, I've always been like, man, if I was Abraham, I'd be shaking in my in my shoes, I'd be scared. Like, I don't know that I'd be able to do what God had called what was impossible, right? And, and maybe you like look at this scripture and you're like, this is terrible. God wants him to sacrifice his child? Well, something to remind yourself is God abhors child sacrifice. Like that's something he does not like. And so why would he call someone to sacrifice their child? Well, I don't think that Abraham really got it into his mind that he was actually going to sacrifice his child because he was going to the land that God had chosen. And initially, you may be taken back by this statement, but let's apply it to our life a little bit. Take, take child out of there. What, when, what do you do when God calls you to sacrifice your hobby? When, you, when he calls you to sacrifice your career, when he calls you to sacrifice your ambitions, your goals, those things like that that we hold so dearly, what do we do when he calls us to sacrifice those? Sometimes we run. Oh, God, you would never want this. I, I, I know that, like, these are good things in my life. But God's like, I need you to come to the place that I've chosen. I need you to come to this place. I, I've got something better for you. So I think sometimes making it personal is really important. Yes, in this story here, we see God calls Abraham to sacrifice his child. How far would Abraham trust him? I think one of the things in my mind tells me that Abraham had no fear in this, that, that, that Abraham wasn't shaken, he wasn't afraid, because there was something in his mind that said, if God can provide, he can provide there. If he can provide a child in my old age, if, if, if he can provide this child, I know that whatever it is, he's got a plan of provision for me. So let's keep going. So Abraham calls his son and they head off to sacrifice. Abraham has seen the wonders of God in his grace. Abraham knows the goodness of God. And I'm sure he recalls some of the stories. Now, I don't have a Bible verse that backs that up. I also don't have a Bible verse that, that says Abraham had a bunch of uh, fear, but I know he was full of faith. I think Hebrews tells us that. So Abraham, he's seen the wonders of God. And I don't believe that he was doubting God for one moment, that his provision would still stand in this time. So let's look at verse 7. It says, Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The, fi the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I don't see a hesitation in this next scripture. It just says, Abraham answered him, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. Now think about this for a moment. 
Abraham knew the goodness of God and he knew the provision of God. And so in that moment when the son was asking, hey, what are we going to do? Don't worry. God's going to provide for himself a sacrifice. Don't worry. We've, God's got this. The provision that God is going to do, God is just bringing us to this place right here. So I don't believe that there is fear expressed in this scripture. I don't believe that there was worry expressed in this scripture that God had called him to do this one task. But what I do see is faith. Abraham knew that God would, could give his child to him and surely he could do it again or preserve him. Let's look at verse nine. It says, when they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, took the knife to, I like this, slaughter his son. Spoiler alert, though. He doesn't kill him. Just so you guys, if you didn't know the story, if you were hoping for something crazy, it's coming, but it's not going to be he got slaughtered. <laughs> um, so how many times has God called us to do something? And it feels like we are slaughtering the promise that God has given us. It sounds terrible. God, why would you bring me to this? Like, I have to do all of the, like, God, why would you do this? And it would have been easier to run away. But, but Abraham in this, he knew the goodness of God. That's why when we know the goodness of God, we should remind ourselves of the goodness of God so that we can have the strength to pursue where God has called us. Remember that focus scripture. He has made a way of escape. That is still true to this day. If you're bound by addiction, by, by, by health, by anything, by, by, by the struggle of Satan, if you got something that you are bound by, I believe with every fiber of my being that God has made a way of escape for you, that he cares about you, that he loves you. If you're struggling with things at work, if you're struggling with, with, with your marriage, with relationships, I can promise you that if we can make God the center of our life, if we can rearrange some things in our lives, he can make a difference. So let's look at verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Now I know that you fear God. He had a reverence for God. He, you know what, God, I will bring the promise that you gave me and I will lay it down on the altar of sacrifice and I will go as far as you want me to go. His willingness showed his devotion to God. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thickets by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. There was going to be something provided on the Lord's mountain. The place that God had chosen would be a place of provision. The place of sacrifice, the place of death is the place that God ultimately provides for you. So he lays his son there. He's ready to do the action. He's ready to go ahead and sacrifice his son to God. And God stops him and said, don't worry, I got the sacrifice covered here and provides for himself. God provides for himself 
the sacrifice. How many times have you been struggling with your devotion to God? And you, you, you feel like you're there at the altar of sacrifice. Can I just encourage you to go ahead and keep trusting God? Because God will provide for himself the sacrifice. He doesn't need every bit of us, but what he wants is us to say, God, I'm going to give you everything. And God starts handing things back. I love you. I care about you. Here is the promise that I gave you. It's yours. And then he doubles down on it. It will be the, it'll be, your family will be the, the, as the sands of the, Sands of the earth. I can't remember. You'll have to look at it. Read the scriptures. Don't accept mine. But let's look at this word here. <laughs> the Lord will provide. This is the Hebrew word uh, here in this place right here. It's called Jehovah Ra'ah. And it's pronounced today Jehovah Jireh. Yes. It's the Lord is our provider. I need to know that the place that was just a place to be a sacrifice has become the place of provision where God has brought me to that seems like sacrifice is really the provision that I needed. Yes. Maybe when you're sitting there in your trial, in the temptation, in the struggle, you're like, I don't see how this can be my provision. It looks more like God is taking from me than giving to me. It's not about what God gives to us in the first place, but God, I want to follow you with everything that I've got. So the Lord on that day provided for himself the sacrifice that was needed. The place of provision, the place, in, the place chosen by God is the place where God makes the biggest impact. I know that God can make a provision for you and I. You know why? Because we are chosen by Jehovah. We are chosen by God. If we are a temple of the Holy Ghost, then we are chosen by God. And what God says about you is true. What God says about you is that he loves you. What God says about you is that while you've made mistakes, he's still got provision for you. Even though you may feel like you can't make it, God has got a way of escape for you. And I just want to encourage you to keep trusting him. This process shows that Abraham, that he would do whatever God asked him. And that as God asked him to do it, God would provide the way for Abraham. Don't hold back when you're stuck. Don't hold back. More so, give everything that you've got. Say, God, I'm laying it on the line. What do you want from me, God? Here is everything. Here I am. I am an unperfect sacrifice, but God, I make my life a living sacrifice unto you. Follow God as he calls you. Don't use all your energy running away. Use your energy to pursue him. So later in scriptures, we can read that the covenant was made with Abraham because of his willingness to sacrifice, God would bless him. We must have a willingness to follow the call of God. And I don't believe that there is a person here that is exempt from the call of God. I don't believe that there's a person in here that God will not eventually, if he hasn't already, place a call on your life to do something in the kingdom of God. It's not about our kingdom. It's not about our goals and ambitions. It's about the kingdom of God. That is where relationship changes and shifts in our relationship with God is when it becomes about what God desires 
versus my desires. So remind yourself that God would not call you to this place without having a plan of provision for you. God will not bring you to a place where you can't make it without having a plan of provision for you. I wish I could look like the faith that Abraham had. I wish I could have that type of faith. I don't know if God gave me a son, if God said sacrifice him to me, I don't don't know that I'd be like Abraham. I'd struggle. But there were some things in my life that I had to lay down. I loved being in the army. And there's nothing wrong with serving in the military. But there was a time in my life where someone came to me, who was my pastor at the time, and he was like, I really feel like you need to get out of the military if you want to continue to pursue ministry. And I was angry at first. And even to this day, I struggle with the decision that I made. Because growing up as a kid, like being in the military was like my dream. That was, if there was anything I wanted to be, like I wanted to be in the military. And as I was in the military, man, there were so many cool jobs that I wanted to do. I became a medic, you know, I got to do these cool things. I was in this all-male sapper unit. Man, I got to blow up C4. I got to do cool things. Like, man, it was fun. Like, who doesn't want to do that as a job? Like, come on, like, that sounds amazing. I wanted, to, I wanted to do that. I really did. I wanted to make a career of it. And when my pastor told me, he said, I really feel like if you want to continue to assume, pursue ministry, you needed to step away from this. He was right because it introduced a lot of things in my life. It's where I found my love for alcohol and smoking and, and drugs. It's where I found it. Like, and I'm not saying that the military is bad and they're going to make you an alcoholic, but I'm just saying, like, you're, you're not, not going to be introduced to it. <laughs> Um, but in that, in that time, I struggled. But I'm not Abraham. I'm Zach Pretty. I have my own story. I've got my own trials. I've got my own things that I have been through. And I can tell you today that I still struggle. But I can do one thing and remind myself of the goodness of God. I can remind myself of his provision while I'm in the process that he's placed me in. I can know that the place of sacrifice is really the place of provision. And so I remind myself of those things. So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, I don't have a great faith like Abraham. It says in Romans that every man was given a measure of faith. You have the faith in you that you need today to make the move that God has called you to. But what we lack is the action. We rather would pursue the world than to pursue God. We would, rather do, we would rather do everything else than to pick up our cross and follow him to Calvary. I want to make sure that I go ahead and use the way of escape that God has given me. And the way of the escape is not the world. It's the things of God. I need to follow Jesus Christ. And that brings us to Palm Sunday. We're one week before Easter, right? So what do we do? When the call of God and his process for provision does not look like we had ever envisioned. Man, sometimes, you know what the hardest thing sometimes to do is just pray, God, well, okay, I'll just put that trust in you. And then like, you're like, something pops up and you'll be like, well, was that it, God? I'm going to be real specific in this prayer, God. I want this to happen 
so I know when it's you because I'm going to mess it up if I don't. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I pray sometimes. God, like, I just, when this happens, then I'll know. But if it doesn't happen, I, I don't know. I'm going to need you, God, to step out. So when you look in your Bible and we get up here into Matthew chapter 21, we'll be there in just a moment, um, you'll see the triumphal entry probably heading in there in your Bible, heading, maybe, maybe you don't, maybe my Bible has headings, it says the triumphal, triumphant entry. But it doesn't really seem triumphant that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, does it? Like, what is triumphant about riding on a donkey? I don't know. Like, there was one time, oh man, I wish I could find that video, it's in VHS, I don't know how, that'd be hard to get it off of that, like, I'd have to do some things, but... I remember as a kid, there's a VHS out there somewhere of me and my cousin Chucky. He'd hate me for calling him Chucky. He wants to be called CJ, but I don't remember him as CJ. I remember him as Chucky. (laughs) Sorry, Chucky. (laughs) Uh, And we were trying to, there was a donkey. Like, it's beautiful. I mean, this picture, they're like, you know, they're in like a mobile home, but then there's like all these mountains around. Like, it doesn't matter the place that you're living in. If you've got mountains around, it is a beautiful view. And they're way out in uh, uh, Montana. I can't remember where, like out west, but it was beautiful. I remember this as a kid. And I remember they had horses and I wanted to ride the horse. And I could get on the horse, but Chucky couldn't get on the horse. And there was a cow out there. And they had a donkey, I think. But I remember, we tried to ride the cow. (laughs) What more cowboy thing? I had my cowboy boots on. We were going to ride that cow. Well, Chucky gets up on the cow. And Chucky got stepped on by the cow. Cow didn't want to be ridden. (laughs) And I think about this, like, there is nothing regal about getting on a donkey. Like, there's this, they got some power, right? Like, they, 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 we, pack our bags on them and things like that, you know, but in a mountain, you know, situation. But like, oh, Jesus comes riding in on the donkey. What is so crazy is what Jesus was doing was fulfilling prophecy in this moment. Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, but he's lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Man, that don't sound very victorious. He's there humble and riding on a donkey. What happened to the victorious part? You see, that's the beauty of God, is even though it may not look like a victorious situation, it may not look like what he's doing is very great, we serve a humble God. We serve a great God. And that in that situation, he is still victorious. He is still mighty. And in this passage here that we're going to read in Matthew 21, it's, it fulfills so much prophecy in, this, these last, in these couple of scriptures. We're going to look at verses 6 and 11. It says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. Then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road, Others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, I like this passage right here. The whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? 
They were in an uproar because like this crowd, this commotion, these people crying Hosanna, and here comes this guy riding on a donkey. And the crowd said, in verse 11, it says, the crowd were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from, the, from Nazareth in Galilee. So the Greek word here used for prophet here is prophetes. I'm not real good with Greek, but... And the word means several things, but the biblical usage of the word means Messiah. They were literally saying, this is the Messiah. This is what was promised to us, riding on a donkey. Look, Zechariah, he, he said that this is what would happen, that, that the Savior would be coming riding on a donkey. But in their mind, they were looking for a warrior. They were looking for a person that was going to deliver them from the control of the Roman Empire. They were looking for someone that was going to deliver them, but yet God was going to leave them under the control of the Roman Empire. Isn't that just like that? But that's not what I wanted, God. That's not what victory looks like to me. Victory means like we're going to crush our enemy in the spiritual sense, not in the physical sense. It wasn't a, a military leader that was coming but rather a humble savior that would come. All the prophets had talked about this moment and the city is in an uproar. Now, I'm going to read a scripture here. You know where Jesus goes? The temple. So the temple would have been built, it would be Herod's temple, would have been built there on the temple mount, probably pretty close to where Abraham had sacrificed. Now, this blew my mind. The Temple Mount, the place chosen by Jehovah, had turned to chaos. What? The place chosen by Jehovah? But this is the place of sacrifice. This is the place that God has picked. It's got to be peace, right? Not in this day. Jesus was going to clean up some things. So let's look at verse 12. It says, Jesus starts driving out. Uh, this isn't verse 12, sorry. We're gonna go to verse 13. But Jesus starts driving out all the money changers and the people selling sacrifices. He's flipping tables, you know, grabs the whip, drives people out with the whip. And this is what he says in verse 13. He says to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. The place chosen by Jehovah had become a den of thieves. I'm chosen by Jehovah. If I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost and I introduce sin into my life, I introduce, I become a thief of grace. I become a thief uh, struggling to make it through life. And I can't be that. I got to get rid. I've got to drive some things out of my personal life because I want to have peace. I want to be the place of sacrifice and God's provision. I don't want to be a den of thieves. But as I introduce sin into my life in the very same place that was chosen by God, Come on. man, it begins to blow my mind a little bit. Here in, in the Old Testament, at the very beginning, gen, gen, uh, G, uh, sorry, in Genesis, God is like, hey, here's a ram for the sacrifice. Abraham is like, this is the, this is the place that the Lord has provided. This, God is our provider. And here now, they try and begin to make provision for themselves. Selling sacrifices for people, being money changers. 
don't know if you can see the closeness of these stories and how our life can be a place of chaos. Even though you are chosen by God, we introduce the chaos into our lives. We have to fight the good fight. We have to struggle and go through things. And when I look at this, Jesus cleans the house. So in this scene, we see Jesus. He's healing the blind and the lame, and the chief priest gets angry. He is so mad. I don't understand why. Like, why are you so mad, man? You look at the prophecy. Look at the guys fulfilling, like, everything that you were looking for. And you're like, I'm going to kill him. It was this place that Jesus comes and cleans house. Next week when we look at the sacrifice of Jesus and the tearing of the veil, it kind of makes sense as to why Jesus went and cleaned house to make room for what God was about to do. The place that God had chosen would move from a physical location to you and I. I need to know that I am chosen by God, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to remind myself that while I have faults and while I struggle with certain things in my life, that God loves me, that he cares about me, that he has not forsaken me, and he has given me a way of escape. You see, these stories of Abraham and the triumphant entry show two different types of provision. One, the provision for the promise to Abraham. Abraham finds that in his willingness to follow God, to lay the promise down on the altar of sacrifice is ultimately the place where he finds the greatest provision for his life. I'm not talking about getting things from God. I'm not talking about if you do this, you get money from God. That's not, he's not a vending machine that works that way. I'm not talking about, you know, this, the, the, the idea of like, you know, if you, if you give all your money and like you're going to, God's going to bless you and you will be a millionaire in six weeks if you, if you sow a seed. No, I'm not telling you that. Is there principles in giving? 100% there are. But you know what? It's more so on the deep spiritual side. What are the idols that you have set up in your house right now that is creating a den of thieves right here in your heart? I need to clean my house. God, I need you. I need a deeper relationship with you. Then we see the promise of provision. Even when we reject him, that was made for Adam and Eve a long time ago, several weeks ago. We talked about the promise of God, right? And it was laid out in Genesis. Here we are again. Now Jesus has ridden into, and he's the triumphant entry. And, and, and now they reject Jesus. I've rejected Jesus. I've turned my back on Jesus. I've ran from him. But I want to encourage you that even though you rejected him, he still died for you. He still made a way of escape that you don't have to stay stuck anymore. That he made a place that you could escape. The greatest escape is that the plan of salvation is that I can come to him and that he will save my life. I need Jesus. James 1 and verse 15 says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. I think about this for a moment. When we lust after one thing, and I think what I see here 
with the Jewish people is that they were lusting over the power like the Romans had. They didn't want to be oppressed, but they also wanted the power. They wanted to stay with that religious mindset, and here comes Jesus. And, and it had produced and eventually gave to, uh, gave to death, gave way to death. The sin that the Jewish people had continued to produce, their lust for the flesh, the things of the world, began to break their communication with God. I don't want to have division in my house. Jesus had to clear the house just as we must clear our house. When I look at my life, I stand in fear many times. I feel fear. And I would venture to say if we went around and asked the question in this room, there's people that fear tomorrow. There's people that fear when is God coming back? There's people that that, 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 that revelations, man, I remember as a kid, revelations scared the daylights out of me. Anytime the preacher would get up and read a scripture from revelations, I was scared to death. I am no longer afraid of revelations. I'm no longer afraid of the promises of God. I'm no longer afraid. You know why? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. You know what he was talking about? He was like specifically talking about no man knows the day or the hour. Stop trying to figure it out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about who's in control. Don't worry about politics. Worry about your relationship with Jesus. If you'll boil it down to those things, I promise you it will change your life. I'm not going to worry about the things of this world. What I am going to worry about is preaching the gospel right here in the word of God. That is what I've got to do. That is what you are called to do. When Jesus said, go into all the earth, he was not talking to just his disciples. He was talking to you and I. It was a scripture given so that it passed down from generation to generation that when you go into your world, and your world is your work, your school, the places that you, that you frequent, when you go into those places, you're going to preach the gospel. I'm not talking about you ain't got to get up on a table. Thus saith the Lord, I please don't, I don't think it's going to work. You don't have to do that. You know what? It might. In some cases, it might. But you know what? Go to your neighbor and just love your neighbor. <laughs> and, 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 and I promise you, as you work in and you weave in scripture into things, you can speak the goodness of God to the people that are atheists, that, 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 that hate Christians. Like, I promise you, if you, just, if you just love God, if you just pursue him, he will open doors, I promise. Before, before I end this, next week is Easter. And I want to challenge you to read Luke 22 and 1 Corinthians 11. This is the Last Supper, and it's talking about communion. And I hope that you will get what I understand as communion. <coughs> communion is not a wafer. Communion is not juice that you're going to drink. That's not communion. It's signifying the Last Supper. It's signifying my relationship with, with Jesus, that I'm in communion with God. But more so, communion is something that you have with God throughout the week. It's something that you do with God. As Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day with God, that's communion. I want to challenge you to look at your life and examine those areas of your heart. Have I introduced chaos into my life? 
Have I become a den of thieves? The place that God has chosen for his spirit to dwell, has it become the den of thieves? God has given you a way of rescue. Stop running from him. Stop pursuing the world and start pursuing Jesus Christ. More than anything in our world today, we need people who will reevaluate their lives. We need people who will look and see the disorder and bring Christ back at the center of their life. I need Jesus at the center of my life. When he's there, everything else aligns. I need Jesus, church. I need him more today than I did yesterday. And I know I'm gonna need him tomorrow. If you're struggling with some things, they cried out, Hosanna. As we reflect over our lives, is there some times that you could cry out, Hosanna, and give him glory? God, I pray that you would move in this place right now, that you would touch, God, that you would strengthen. You know every heart, every life, God. I pray that you would minister, God, to the broken heart, to those struggling, God. I pray that you would touch right now. If you want to pray, if you'd like to join me up here in the front, I'd love to pray with you. Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. Jesus, you. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. Beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center of my life. Oh, Jesus, be the center of your church. Yes, God. Jesus, be the center of your church. 
And every knee will bow And every tongue shall confess you Jesus Oh Jesus Jesus Hallelujah Jesus Oh at the mention of that name Jesus Oh Jesus Jesus. Oh, I need Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice on Calvary. Hallelujah, Jesus. Shall we worship you? Oh, Jesus. I can promise you that while you may be struggling with things in your life, keep your trust in God. Don't back down. Don't fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, I need that in my life. God, don't let me get caught up in the fear of this world because that is what the world will sell you is fear. But I'm telling you about the peace of God. I'm telling you about the goodness of God. I'm telling you that he has made a way of escape for you. We thank you, Jesus. God, we worship you. God, I pray you would move in our lives as we go this week, God, that you would touch us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a couple questions for reflection for this week. Are you ready to take communion next week? That's your one question. Are you ready? And maybe you're like, what does that mean? Here you go. What is communion? Read Luke chapter 22 and 1 Corinthians 11. Communion is not about juice and a cracker, but about relationship. So read those throughout this week. Study it. Reflect on what communion is and what was talked about in the Bible. And uh, before we are dismissed, remember, um, you guys, if you would like to come and talk about some of the men's things, come on, join uh, Joe over here. Um, and uh, we'd like to talk about that. And uh, that's it. You guys have a great day. Oh. Oh, yeah, kids will be singing next week at service right away at the beginning. They're going to raise the roof. It's going to be fun. Next week will be a good time. Uh, next week is Easter. So... <laughs> Have a great day. Resurrection Sunday. We're going to celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus. All right. We'll see you next week. Have a great day. God bless.